Today, the Supreme Court finally hands down their opinion on vaccine mandates. Uh, we got some good news. We got some bad news. But whatever the case, we have the breakdown for you. And it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez today. I am joined by two fine gentlemen here in studio. We have Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you need to check out. Make sure you subscribe to. Uh, it's casual day for Stu. I t- by the way, I totally agree with that. You should totally check it out and you should subscribe. Yeah. We totally are aligned on that first point. Wow. The first point of the day, we totally That's agree. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also joined by, uh, it's been a while since we have had him in studio, but we've got Justin Haskins, who is editorial director of uh, at the Heartland Institute, also co-author of the book, The Great Reset, which uh, Glenn Beck and you just uh, you Yeah, just some released. guy named Glenn also snuck his way onto the title. <laughs> I hate it when I don't know how he did do that. that. <laughs> these people do that, Terrible. riding your coattails I like know. that. <laughs> that bastard. I know. Uh, also joined remotely, we've got, we needed some brains for this show because we knew that there was a lot to break down. So we have the lovely Keisha Russell. She is counsel with First Liberty Institute. Uh, obviously, you guys over there are doing great work, Keisha, concentrating on uh, religious liberty rights and uh, First Amendment rights. And we appreciate you being here to dumb it down for all of us. <laughs> My pleasure to be here. Uh, so, so let's so let's go ahead and get to that first. I know it's like the breaking news everyone wants to hear. I do want to start out by saying I was I felt like the Supreme Court was trolling us this morning because we heard that they were that they had one or more. And Akisha, I'll, I'll let you weigh in on this because this is just what I heard. They would they would be releasing one or more decisions uh, today, but they said this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern that they were going to uh, be handed down, and then they did release decisions that were like nothing that anyone was paying attention to. And everyone said, oh, I guess that that the vaccine mandate stuff is not coming out today. I guess it's really just nothing, no big deal. And everyone went about their day. And then all of a sudden, right before the show, uh, at least, you know, we taped the show just a, a tad bit earlier. So right before the show, we're like, oh, crap. I just read breaking news that uh, the Supreme Court did, in fact, release this decision, this opinion. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and give what I believe to be like the uh, headline portion of it, Keisha. And then I would love for you to be able to break down uh, what the opinions actually said. So uh, these were mixed rulings. Uh, These were it was a pair of cases that were both challenging the vaccine mandate, but in different ways. So we had, of course, uh, the Supreme Court who blocked the federal government's COVID-19 vaccine or test requirement for large workplaces. This was the one, I believe, that the Daily Wire was involved in. Uh, If you had 100 employees or more, you had to uh, do this vaccinate or test requirement. And then, so they blocked that, but then they allowed a vaccine mandate for workers at federally funded healthcare facilities to take effect nationwide. Um, so if you could, Keisha, um, pre- pretend like I we're dumb and we don't know anything about anything. And, uh, and let's, let's go ahead. If you could explain the, um, the, the first one, the, the Biden vaccine mandate that everyone was talking about for large employers. And then, uh, and then, and then the second, the second one, uh, go ahead, please. Sure. So the uh, mandate for the large employers, that would mean employers that have more than 100 employees. Uh, So that opinion was 6-3. 
Um, so that was the dissents were just most of the liberal justices, mm-hmm. Sotomayor, Kagan, and uh, Breyer dissenting from that decision. Uh, but essentially what the court says was, look, Congress gave OSHA the ability to and the authority to regulate workplace safety and initiate standards for that. It did not give them the authority to regulate public health um, and to set standards for 84 million Americans about what they should do um, about vaccines and uh, for COVID. Um, and so, and another thing was really, this is, you're really gonna see this in Justice Gorsuch's uh, concurrence, but it also talked about the power of the states um, and how the states are, are really given the authority to regulate public health for their citizens. And it's really not in the purview of the federal government to do that. Um, and so that was sort of the, the, the crux of the decision uh, for the Supreme Court. And so what would typically happen now is that that case would be sent back down to the Sixth Circuit because this is just about a preliminary injunction. It really doesn't decide completely uh, this case. But because of this decision, it's it's possible that OSHA will decide to drop this particular mandate because it's unlikely to succeed if it goes back mm. to the Supreme Court on the merits. Mm, okay. So then, um, so this is not so... This is, I don't understand. This is why you go to school for this. And, uh, because this is also so confusing. You've got injunctions and you've it got is. stays and you've got decisions, but it's a decision on the preliminary and not on the full. Yeah, so I can, uh, I can explain that. Yeah, so, okay. So whenever you have a, a mandate like this, right, what happens is that when people sue, they want the court to stop the mandate until the suit is finished. Right. And so what you're asking the Supreme Court is that we need to stay this. We cannot allow them to enforce it right now until we decide whether this is actually constitutional. Because if we do that, these employers are going to have to go through all this, this whole process, spend all this money. Um, and we don't even know if the government's even allowed to do this. And so that's what this part was about. But one of the considerations in order to decide if there should be a stay is whether the petitioners are likely to succeed. Mm. in the case. And when they when the court evaluates that, they're really evaluating the merits. Um, and so it gives you some idea about what the court will do if this court case comes back to it. So that's really what happens there. But it, it says a lot about what would happen if the case goes all the way through the court. So it's a pretty powerful decision anyways. And now is that the same, uh, is that the same case for this other ruling, which they was a complete opposite? They allowed for the vaccine mandate for uh, federally funded healthcare facilities? Yeah, they did. So that one was 5-4. So that was uh, um, Chief Justice Roberts and Kavanaugh joining the liberals to get a 5-4 decision there and to allow that particular mandate. And that, uh, it is more because of the nexus of the, the federal funding there for those healthcare facilities. Um, but yes, that, that's the same. So uh, that was also uh, being evaluated on the preliminary injunction. Um, but because OSHA succeeded there, um, they're likely to move forward with that case, right? Because they're likely uh, to succeed. But with this other employer uh, mandate, they're not because okay. the Supreme Court has pretty much said, this is what we're going to do if we see this again. Yeah. Uh, all right. Th- yeah. Thank you. That's I, you know, like I, I read it. I, I could read an opinion uh, from the Supreme Court and I'm like, I just spent 30 minutes and I have no idea what I read. <laughs> so uh, I, I uh, appreciate you breaking it down uh, for us like that, Keisha. Stu, I want to go to you um, next and kind of get I want to get gentlemen, you y'all at the table, your feedback on. Are you surprised at these decisions? Are you uh, disappointed? What are your thoughts? It's interesting. I, I don't think you know all va- vaccine mandates are not created equal. 
uh, and there's sort of a hierarchy of them, at least the way that I look at it from a layman's perspective, mm-hmm. where, you know, the biggest reach for the uh, for the uh, Biden administration was this private uh, sector mandate. I, I mean, I, I found very few legal experts who thought there were any chance that this would be uh, this would go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's com- blatantly unconstitutional on so many different levels and it's so far reaching and there's no coherent reason why a, a company with 99 employees would not need this right. mandate and 100 employees right. would. I mean, right. it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think this was more of a political move by Biden to show that he was doing everything he could. It was one of those things I think they knew would get overturned or thought, thought it would be overturned, but figured, what's the worst case here? Mm-hmm. We look like we're being tough on COVID. We're pleasing our base. We're doing all these things. At the end of the day, it probably won't go into effect anyway. And that's sort of like the furthest reach. And then on the other side of that, like maybe the easiest reach, and this is interesting with First Liberty uh, with us today, because First Liberty Institute has done a great job pushing back against the military mandates. Mm. That might be the easiest one for them to get. And they've had uh, some successful challenges because uh, uh, because of the work that First Liberty has done. But like that might be uh, one of the easier ones because there's so many controls over the military that our federal government does have. In the middle there, though, is this one, the the second uh, secondary one about the health uh, centers where, mm-hmm. you know, there's certainly a case to be made. It's a central part of a lot of these health facilities um, responsibility. A lot of them want people to get vaccinated. Um, and, you know, so maybe you can make the case that as a private institution, they should be able to, to do that. You can at least make that case. The federal government, though, to me, has no role there. Um, OSHA, at the beginning, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I think OSHA is an unconstitutional uh, organization as it is. And the way it was written, the statute it's, it's written under basically just says if they find something necessary and appropriate, they can do it, mm. which gives them almost uh, the power of a dictator. Yeah, that's terrifying. Right? Only, the only limits on it are the Constitution, really. I mean, they can almost do anything they want, which is just terrifying. And that should be a, a high priority of, of Republicans as they look to get uh, to gain power again, um, mm-hmm. because that is a fundamental, I think, um, uh, reform that needs to be a priority for Republicans overall. Um, but this one's interesting in that, like, it, it, you kind of see where the, uh, the, uh, the, the Supreme Court is going to stick this dividing line in this hierarchy. It seems like they're going to anything that has federal dollars mm-hmm. attached to it. They seem to be uh, willing to go down that road. I don't think that they're going to try to over, uh, over they're going to succeed in overrunning private companies uh, and private mandates. Um, I, you know, I think it's a, in some ways it's a good day because this was the most invasive part of this and at least sets some sort of limiting principle on all of this craziness. But I don't think any of us are happy overall with the result here, it at least, though, does limit the damage. Yeah, Justin, you do, you got to believe there are a lot of uh, healthcare workers out there right now who are feeling very discouraged. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. And, you know, tying the federal dollars to it, that's such an important issue, because what does the left want to do more than anything? They want to tie federal dollars to everything, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens if we ended up with a single-payer healthcare system then everyone is getting federal dollars mm-hmm. with every healthcare decision that's being made. It's involved in every. So does that mean that all of a sudden, because federal dollars are involved, you don't have any rights anymore? It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you're accepting federal dollars, right. well, what if I don't have a choice? Yeah. What if that's the only kind of healthcare coverage that there is? I mean, now it's not just healthcare workers; it's everybody. I mean, at some point, you have to say. 
you have certain inalienable rights that belong to you. And just because Congress passed some law under the Commerce Clause or something, that doesn't give them the right to just you lose all of your other rights because now they're paying for things. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. And OSHA in and of itself, I don't understand how this agency has the power, even that they, the Supreme Court says it has, uh, in a limited sense, I don't even know how that works. Because under the Commerce Clause, which is what the reason, the justification for OSHA's existence, you can, the federal government has the right to regulate interstate commerce, but this allows them to regulate every single workplace essentially mm. in the country, uh, as long as it's about workplace safety. Well, can you show me the part of the Constitution that says that the federal government has the right to regulate workplace <laughs> safety? Right. That doesn't exist anywhere. Right. In fact, it specifically says that those powers not given to the federal government are left to the states or to the people under the 10th Amendment. That's very clear. Mm -hmm. So I don't see workplace safety listed anywhere. I do see a right for the states to have those things reserved. So I don't even think the Supreme Court was right on that front. I would have preferred for them to say uh, OSHA can exist and it can regulate true interstate commerce with people traveling between states and agreements between uh, states. You know, states don't have the right to create their own tariffs and mm -hmm. impose right. them on other states. That was the purpose of it. But to say that this you do have the right to regulate workplaces everywhere. Why? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I don't understand that at all. So I think there were some good things, but there were some a lot of bad things in this, too. Yeah, Keisha, I want to give you a uh, last word. Justin brought up a, a lot of very good points. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think those are incredibly brilliant insights. Uh, I think a lot of people understand that the, the power of this, this mandate is not just in whether they have the authority, but it's what happens when the president of the United States gets up and says he's going to do something like mm -hmm. this. And because of that, a lot of people are going to get vaccinated anyway. Right. Right. And so regardless of whether it survives the constitutional scrutiny, um, it, it's going to impact a lot of people. And overall, we know that even if the federal government doesn't have the authority to make these private employers do this, a lot of them are going to do it now mm -hmm. because the president has said it's the best course of action. Um, and so that that's that. I mean, I, I think it, it was also a great breakdown to demonstrate sort of the validity of each of these uh, different mandates, and particularly in the military context. You know, uh, First Liberty represents about 35 Navy SEALs, and we were able to get an injunction on that, which is rare. I mean, it, it's the only one that survived against the Department of Defense thus far. And one of the reasons is because we were able to demonstrate, look, you do have power, but not that much power. There are limits. And the limit is that you've got to consider these religious exemptions. You can't just make these blanket denials. Um, and that's how we were able to to uh, protect those Navy SEALs. Um, so I think, you know, overall, I think even even if the constitutional problem still exists, you understand that the Biden administration in many ways is using its 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 reputation as an authority and its impact on the people to get up and publicly say something mm. um, and make an impact that way and not really have to demonstrate in court whether they uh, can legally do it. Yeah. Uh, Keisha, thank you so much for joining us to break this all down. It has been uh, invaluable and, and we really appreciate it. We hope to uh, to have you back sometime soon. Absolutely. And if your viewers want to keep up with this case and any of the others, we have all that information at FirstLiberty.org. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Keisha. We appreciate it. Uh, all right. So Thanks. we've we've got more to get into, but first we want to, of course, thank our sponsor, Built Bar. So if you like a good snack throughout the day, but uh, you're trying not to expand your waistline, I know it's January still, so there are a lot of people who still have their New Year's resolution 
to lose weight and they're trying to stay on track, Built Bar will help you stay on track because it is delicious. You feel like you're cheating on your diet. You feel like you're eating a candy bar, but you're actually eating a protein bar. So it is going to be uh, high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar. It's going to keep you on track. But they've got awesome flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream. They're always so delicious. They're always coming out with seasonal flavors as well that are just like knocking my socks off all the time. I'm legitimately, if you've watched this program for any amount of time, you know that I'm legitimately obsessed with these. I I really am. (laughs) It's embarrassing how many are in my pantry and also in my dressing room because I need that in my car. I just, wherever I go, I need to make sure that I have a stash. Are you the one that does the little trail of them out to your car every day? I always see that in the parking oh, lot. I was crap. like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, environment. <laughs> uh, but uh, you really got to go stock up. You can figure out which flavor you like the best and uh, make sure that you arm yourself with Built Bars in your pantry. You can go to Built.com, use promo code NEWS15. You'll save 15% off of your order. That is NEWS15 over at B-U-I-L-T, Built.com. So I want to get back into this for a minute because um, we were talking off air and I do think it, it, I said to, to you guys, it's frustrating still to hear. I know everyone's celebrating this as a big win. Like, yeah, we got the, the large employer vaccine mandate off the table for now, by the way, as Keisha explained for now. Um, but it's just still so frustrating because, you know, you hear the Supreme Court, the, the very same people, especially who even dissented on the blocking the vaccine or test requirement. They're arguing all the time about bodily autonomy. And we don't even hear that argument here um, for bodily autonomy. But they want to argue that when the case is abortion and they want the right to kill babies in the womb, which is not actual bodily autonomy. Right. You're talking about two people, not just yourself. And that's all well and good, and we want to talk about autonomy there, but when it comes to actually injecting your own body and true bodily autonomy, it's not even part of the question right. because something is federally funded. It just like kind of blows my mind. Yeah, could a, could a hospital say, you're not allowed to get abortions? Right. No, right. they could right. not. Right. Why, though? Because, because, because there's some sort of special right that exists, even though it's not written in the Constitution, yeah. the Supreme Court says some special right to privacy, and that special right to privacy also includes a special right to health care, which also includes a special right to abortion. None of those words are in the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. But there, all these special rights exist, but then there's no special right that says that you can require someone to inject a substance into your body. That right does not exist. Right. That, because, why? Because they get healthcare dollars from the federal mm-hmm. government. So magically, that makes all the difference. It's just the fact that they're getting healthcare dollars. It makes no sense. It really It doesn't. really makes absolutely no sense at all. And yet, we've all just accepted it as though this is, well, this is what the Supreme Court says. And the, and the other thing, too, is as bad as I think, because this isn't a bad decision, obviously. Yeah. It's not totally bad. But it could have been really, really bad if Donald Trump had not been president of the United States And instead of having three Supreme Court justices replaced uh, who are at least more in line with Mm -hmm. originalist ideas, you would have had three more Sotomayors or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then this decision would have been totally different. You would have had a completely different case. OSHA would have been allowed to regulate anything it wants under that. So we were really very, very close to this whole thing going off the rails. And you can see why these Supreme Court justices matter. And the last thing on that, just the fact 
that these decisions come down, and I say this every time there's a big Supreme Court case, it's always true in my mind, the Supreme Court cases come down to the opinions of a couple of people. And that is terrifying. The fact that your rights are being determined by the opinions of two or three people out of 330 million is absolutely terrifying. That is not how this system was ever designed. It's not what it was supposed to be. And yet we've all just now accepted it as, well, yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court ruled five to four that this is the way it is. So I guess that's the way it is. It's like, well, if that one person had decided something different, then all of a sudden I magically have rights that I didn't think I had or don't have rights. You know, I mean, that's terrifying, I think. That's a great point. And I think, too, this comes back to, as you point out, larger structural issues that have been going wrong in (laughs) this country for a really long time. I mean, the, the, the introduction of federal dollars is such an interesting part. Part of me thinks that when we have these programs, Republicans should do their best to tie really restrictive actions to all of them. Like, if you want to get on Obamacare, fine. But you need to eat less than 2,000 calories a day to be on it. And let everyone know up front, they're going to be really controlling of your behavior the second you get involved in it. Um, Because... This is what is happening here, right? They tried to say OSHA could 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 do this, but like they have a hundred different ways to uh, to argue that federal dollars are going to you at any given moment. Um, you know, the healthcare facilities. Well, what are they going to do? They're looking at the, their bottom line and they're saying, okay, well, forty percent of the money that comes through this place is from Medicare right. or Medicaid. Well, I guess we just have to go along with it. The problem, of course, backs up to Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. You know, massive government programs. Uh, programs that are, first of all, bankrupting us, and second of all, should never be set up in the way they are in the first place. This should not be a system that exists in our country. There should not be a Medicare or a Medicaid, particularly from the federal government. You want to have these things in the states, I don't probably like them very much, but at least that's the way this was supposed to be designed. Mm -hmm. These states could go through, they could do these things, Um, and other states, you could escape what they were doing in those states. We could all move to Texas to avoid the nonsense that California is doing. But like, you know, we we know people, tons of them, that have moved from California to Texas to avoid what California is doing, but they can't avoid it because California is doing it through Washington. And so it's hitting all of us. Whenever you get involved with the government, there are always strings attached, you know? I mean, every mob movie has this scene, right? Yeah. Where, like, you take money from the it's mob, great, they bail you analogy. out. analogy. Yeah, it really is, unfortunately. Yeah. But it, they bail you out of that tough situation. You're on the ropes. You really need that money right then. And they say, oh, well, you know, don't worry. You'll get me back. There'll be a, there'll be a time I need a favor, and we'll talk about it then. <laughs> and this is that favor, yeah. you know? You, you can't. And this goes to Republicans as well. Look at the polling on these things. Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare in particular, you're talking 80% approval ratings in this country because the government is telling you they should be responsible for paying for your health care. Now, for older people who might be listening or watching and have Medicare, mm. you've paid into the system for a long time. But over over a, uh, a period of time, these things should be changed completely because they own you. Yeah. They own you because of this money and you uh, wind up being in a position that you can't even control your own bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that this one decision went the right way is is good. You know, I think uh, 
Amy Coney Barrett has, is, is looking really good early. Yeah. You know, Gorsuch has had some issues that people don't like. I tend to like Gorsuch yeah. more than some on the conservative side. Kavanaugh is ter- terrifies me, though. I mean, he mm-hmm. feels like another Roberts. Yep. Um, it feels like this is going down this wrong road where we're all going to be like complaining about this guy like he's on the left. Yeah. Like, we're, you know, we need to stop saying that Roberts sides with the liberals because he's, uh, he always sides with the liberals, at least most of the time. <laughs> he is a liberal. He is a liberal, yeah. right? Now, he was on the right side of the main case here, which was good. Um, but, uh, you know, a 5-4 decision in the other side is, is disappointing. I mean, it, it shouldn't be this way, but it is right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, All right. So let's go ahead and do this. I want to get into speaking of COVID and the vaccine and and all of this and the Biden administration, particularly. Um, Let's go ahead and take a break. And then I want to get into uh, Joe Biden had a COVID-19 update that he gave yesterday. And um, he spoke about uh, dealing with misinformation and disinformation. Uh, We will play that clip uh, when we come back. It's really incredible. Joe Biden, uh, during his, I think it was towards the end of his COVID-19 update that he gave the country uh, yesterday, by the way, uh, an update in which he, like, bumbled around and stumbled. <laughs> and at one point, he it was like a full 20 seconds where I was like, I have no idea what this old man is saying. Did he mention know. if he's uh, shut down the virus yet? Did he, did he talk about that I at all? I don't believe he mentioned had, shutting down the virus. Has he cured cancer time. yet? I don't believe he has. Okay. I just want to make sure. Those are the two things I'm waiting for. Any moment now. Both of those things he did say he would do. (laughs) He did. He did. Multiple times. Mm -hmm. That's a great point, Stu. Mm. Uh, Well, but what he did do was call on social media companies and media outlets to, uh, to deal with the misinformation. It has to stop, Joe Biden says. Here's that. Unfortunately, while our military is stepping up, as they always do, there are others sitting on the sidelines. And we're standing in the way. I know. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it. Personal choice impacts us all, our hospitals, our countries. I make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets. Please deal with the misinformation and disinformation that's on your shows. It has to stop. COVID-19 is one of the most formidable enemies America has ever faced. We've got to work together, not against each other. Don't you love that he says personal choice impacts us all? Like what, but what does that mean? So what you're saying is that you don't actually want me to have personal (laughs) choice for anything because you could tie that personal choice into, I mean like, okay, great. We were talking about single payer. Let's go back, let's go back to uh, healthcare costs. Well, your personal choice to be very fat and stuff your face with McDonald's would impact, I mean, it's impacting healthcare costs. So maybe I should be allowed to tell you to stop doing that. I mean, it's just like, what do you mean your personal choice affects us all? So we just shouldn't have it, I guess, is Joe Biden's argument. Well, I mean, I guess that is his argument because he was just (laughs) arguing for the damn vaccine mandate, Sarah. Um, But uh, okay, I want to get your thoughts on this. I just I'm just going to play this. We don't have it. I'm going to play it into my mic because I really want you to hear Joe Biden just like I I don't know what he's trying to say here. Listen. Now, I don't like to, uh, uh, you know, uh, outline the next steps we're taking against. Uh, I'd like to outline the next steps we're taking against over on the, uh, the Omicron variant. Oh what? 
I don't like I don't like to outline. I do like to outline. I, I think I heard Ovaltine in there. At one, did you hear Ovaltine? That could work against Omicron. I Maybe. Uh, we Have we tried try it? it? We haven't tried it. Is, Has it anyone, is there an, uh, an, uh, an Ovaltine mandate that we could get started? Uh, that could get us all our vitamins and nutrients. I don't know. And yeah. it could replace meals. I wasn't a big fan of the not my president thing. You know, it's really stupid. Yeah, yeah. But it's like when you listen to Joe Biden talk, yeah. I kind of just want to be like, look, this guy isn't my president. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is brutal. This yeah. is brutal. I mean, I know Donald Trump had his moments where, you know, he wasn't exactly the most presidential guy in the world. <laughs> really? But at least he seemed like a person who knew what his own name was. Yes. You yes. know, which I feel like me, that should probably be a requirement well, for president. You would think so, but yeah. apparently not. So, <laughs> apparently yeah. not. I mean, Trump was much more on the ball here. Uh, I mean, at least, you know, he might, he, he, what they accused Trump of was, was he was trying to do things that were bad. Who knows what Biden's trying to do if he's trying to do anything? I mean, yeah. I, it's hard to even follow. Uh, he's, you know. I had they also say, were like, Trump breathes really loudly. Do you remember that? Yeah. They like cut clips yeah. of him breathing. They're like, he's, there's something wrong. Something he's wrong. Breathing he's breathing loudly. loudly. Okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I've talked about this a little bit on tonight's uh, program on Studios America, but like, I think that this is something that's hit me recently like a lot we talked a little bit about on radio too that like there are moments where i now feel embarrassed like i feel afghanistan was a real one like i just felt embarrassed for us for the for what we you know making our troops go over there and and participate in this nonsense for what we did to the people there for the allies that helped us and all those things and like it doesn't feel like we don't feel like a superpower right now you know Um, watching empty shelves in grocery stores it's embarrassing this is america like i can see that in venezuela i can see that in cuba i expect it there it's not supposed to happen here thankfully we're not at those levels but just the hints of it are 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 disturbing enough you know and like you, you look at this and like there's this constant plea to these social media companies to shut down uh, conversation and 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 any opinion that lies outside the the norm and you know like I'm as much uh, enough of a free speech absolutist to let want everything to fly and realize there's bad consequences of that and live with it like I'm that's where I am on this stuff but like even if you want to take the most charitable take on their position mm-hmm. there are many people who would say yes okay there should be some limit to the health information you put online. Like, for example, you know, one of the examples that has been cited often has been people uh, advising young girls for anorexic um, type of situations, encouraging anorexia. If I want to, if I wanted to start a, a, a Twitter account where I said every day, like, you should drink turpentine to cure, you know, your illness. Like, okay, that would be very bad and actually cause damage. But like, if you're going to make those those uh, those statements. And if you're going to ban people for things you think are really damaging, like we're talking about here, you better damn well be sure that in four weeks, yep. you're not gonna be saying the opposite. Yep. You yep. can't ban people for saying it came out of a lab, and then six months later be like, ah, you know what, probably came out of a lab. Sorry for all <laughs> those lives we destroyed before and have no consequences. Yeah. Like, if there is, reli- like, there is some level of control that social media companies should have over, over their own content. You know, if, if a church wants to start a religious discussion group, they shouldn't have to tolerate the F-bomb all over the place. They shouldn't have to tolerate people People saying God doesn't exist if they don't want to. It's their site. But at some level here, just the responsibility of the company should be to say, we can't shut this stuff down unless it is, we are really, really sure. I'm talking about anorexia is bad for teen girls. I'm talking about don't drink turpentine. I'm talking about real hardcore things yeah. because they do this and they have no credibility. And then the government begs them to do it 
again mm -hmm. and again and again. And just coincidentally, every single time it happens to, ba to back whatever Democratic position exists at that current moment. Yeah. It's, it, it, this is not a healthy way to run a civilization. Yeah. Uh, Stu, you mentioned being embarrassed um, whenever we hear this old, this doddering old man uh, talk. I, I don't think it's much better. You know, typically you'd go like, well, maybe like the vice president's looking really good right about now. But no, <laughs> no, we're not even in a position to say that uh, because you have the vice president over here. Let me play. Uh, she was asked about changing her COVID strategies. Kamala Harris was asked. She was on the Today Show. She did an interview. And uh, I don't know which one gave the, uh, the, the least coherent answer because they're both horrible. Listen. At what point does the administration say, you know what, the strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. What? what? There, I, no. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? I, she's so, <laughs> so unbelievably bad, bad at this. I've, ne yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, no, she's, I mean, look, let's go. She wasn't even liked by anyone in the Democratic no! Party. This person fell backwards into <laughs> into one of the most powerful positions yes. in the entire world. She was literally one of the least likable candidates out of like 20 that ran for president in the Democratic Party. She didn't get any yeah. votes, yeah. any delegate votes in the primary. She None. bailed before she Iowa, bailed. She, I, she bailed very early on if it wasn't yeah. before the very first one. I think she was polling at 2% when she dropped out. So she's not even liked amongst Democrats. Right. Somehow she ends up in this position and she can't figure out a way to be even slightly more likable <laughs> than one of the least likable presidents we've ever had who can barely speak and function without someone, you know, coming over and spoon feeding him his soup for the afternoon, yeah. right? So, I mean, this has got to be the most incompetent administration of all time yeah, in America. I mean, incredible. seriously, I would love for someone to be able to point to anybody else that has ever existed in this country as president of the United States and vice president who are this dysfunctional and unlikable. It's not possible. I really don't think yeah. so. I really don't. I feel like, Stu, this is the, this is a great example of why affirmative action sucks. <laughs> because well. they, they pigeonholed himself into, oh, yeah, yeah no, I'm definitely going to get a, a woman of color. That yeah. is definitely going to. And then they're like, oh, crap, who do we have? I guess Kamala. Yeah, uh, that is, I think, uh, I mean, he he outwardly said this. I mean, <laughs> if you read uh, some of the reporting on this, it was James Clyburn who basically went up to him and, uh, during a debate in a commercial break and said, you basically have to say you're going to name a black woman to be a Supreme Court justice and or a, right. uh, a the vice president. Um, and he did it. He's like, yes, yeah, like actually, James, yes, Clyburn I'm going like, to do it. You want my endorsement? <laughs> uh, it's the debate. You better say it. And right. so he said it. Yeah. Uh, so this has been ugly from the beginning. Um, she you know she is uh, she's not she's not doing a good job. And she, it's interesting because she's simultaneously mostly invisible. Like, I mean, she I don't see her doing much of anything. You know, she seems like she's sort of a, a giant zilch until she occasionally goes on TV and it gets worse. You know, and one of the things about um, it's almost impressive. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, and like Kamala Harris, like 
she does not profile well as a vice president. Nobody likes Kamala Harris more than Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris is out for herself in every single circumstance. So you see her struggling in these moments because guaranteed she's behind the scenes saying, I would do this and I do this and I should do this. And let's talk to this person and let them say something bad about Biden because that shouldn't be happening. You guarantee she's working behind the scenes uh, against him and is encouraging this uh, behavior because she is in what should be the backup quarterback position, where everyone loves the backup quarterback when your quarterback sucks. Mm-hmm. She's in that position. If she can just exude some level of confidence and likability, she's in a good spot here. <laughs> yeah. Like Now, she's got three years to figure this out, I suppose. Ah, uh, but, yes. uh, you know, if Biden, I, I don't think she's going to. No. Um, but she has an opportunity here. I mean, like, there's a real opportunity for her to be the next nominee if she was not terrible. But yeah. she is terrible, so I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I just uh, t- two two things that this proves. Number one, affirmative action, like I said, sucks. Number two, uh, women should not be in the... Was they should what? I just, they should not what? Should Sarah Gonzalez. They certainly should not be president. Wow! Oh, oh my I gosh! Said it. She I said, said it. it. She I said it. it. You, you know about- why? You know why? Because just as you said, mm-hmm. she could look at this and course correct and figure out ways to like better herself. Instead, mm-hmm. she has an attitude problem every time she's asked in an interview a hard <laughs> question. She like gets very condescending and sassy, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no. How no. much sass is, a, is allowed to be in the vice presidential role? Is there a certain amount of sass you're allowed to have? Maybe like 20% sass. 20% sass, okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. I think so. And only sass allowed if you're doing your damn job. Ah, well. You, can only, you can't sass back to the interviewer when you're not doing your job. That's my rule. Uh, she, I mean, That's ha- my standard. And like, how is she not prepared for that question? There are six... Ezekiel Emanuel was one of these guys who came out and said, you guys are doing a terrible job. How do you not know that's going to be like question number one uh, when you get to the COVID section of the interview? I mean, she is just just terrible. Maybe she's so used to being in the background that she just thinks no one will ever ask her questions anymore. Well, and I mean, the media has been so in their pocket for so long. Anytime they ask her some semblance of something remotely difficult, she's like, oh my God, how dare they? That's not a difficult question. uh, Well, difficult for Kamala. Uh, All right, we've got got more to come, but uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's always interesting. So we've been talking about the, I think it's very important when, when we talk about the Democrats voting rights legislation, they constantly are calling it voting rights legislation. It is not voting rights legislation. It is like uh, legislation to basically federalize election fraud. Is really, is really what it is. Um, so voting rights, no, not so much. But uh, they actually, the House, snuck their their voting rights bill. This is the Freedom to Vote Act and John Lewis voting rights bill. They snuck all of this wording, all of these, uh, the bill, into an unrelated NASA bill and uh, that now is passed by the House. And Justin, you were saying they did it to skip a parliamentary step in the process? Right. So now they won't need um, Republican support to bring the debate to the Senate floor on the bill because it had already been passed okay. without all the stuff in it. So it's so sort of... added it at the last minute. Yeah, they, they, they threw it in there at the yeah. last minute so that they could fast track it through and skip all these steps. They'll still need to get a... a they'll still need to get it through a filibuster right. in the Senate. So unless... A Democrat says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end the filibuster here. Right. 
it doesn't matter, it'll, it'll fail. So that they really haven't saved themselves anything other than some time in trying to move it through the process. Which, which you know, you, you mentioned the filibuster, uh, that they're, they were trying, you know, Joe Biden pushed for this, they wanted to eliminate it. They were like saying, just for this one time, let's eliminate it. We don't want the 60 vote threshold. Uh, we want the, you know, to eliminate the filibuster. And we've heard now uh, Kirsten Cinema, who's come out and said, I, don't, I do not support ending the filibuster. Uh, we've heard Joe Manchin say it. I mean, I think there was another Democrat senator, I can't remember who it was, who came out and said, like, yeah, I'm not on board with that either. So it really doesn't look like they're going to get far with this. I don't think there's any chance yeah. right now that yeah. they're going to get this thing passed. In fact, I don't. I honestly think if they hold the vote, which may or may not happen, but I th- it probably will at some point, I don't even think they get to 48 which really? is out cinema or mansion. Yeah. I think I think there are more votes there. Yeah. There's no real incentive for, you know, some Democrat, random Democrat, Maggie Hassan, to come out and say, actually, uh, you know, I, I kind of think the filibuster should be here because it's it's there are already two voices out there saying it. So there there's plenty right. of protection. They don't need to come out and say it. But I think there's legitimate opposition. They understand that uh, what's going to happen to them when a Republican is president and the Republican has a Supreme Court, they're going to get squashed all the time if this is what they want. Um, so, I mean, it's, I don't even think it was a sincere effort from Joe Biden. I think what you have here is you have a, a guy who's president with a 33% approval rating in the latest Quinnipiac poll who's saying to himself, look, this is going terribly. My, even my base is bailing on me. I need to at least, you know, uh, strengthen the base so we don't get a complete wave election when it comes to 2022. Let me give them something. They've been asking for this. I'm going to pound my fist on the table, even though I know there's no chance of this happening. And what's happened is that the activists have seen through it. I mean, you know, Stacey mm-hmm. Abrams isn't showing up. Uh, they're the people who really care about this stuff. You mean the governor of Georgia? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. The sitting <laughs> governor of Georgia who had their election stolen from her. Um, she was she's she she wants uh, the centralized elections that our government is promising, but does not believe the effort is sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even working on the base. So this is going to flame out in, in I, again, there's a version of this, and I always, I'm always perplexed as to why this happens, but there's a version of this presidency where Joe Biden actually does the things that he said he was going to do coming into office and worked with a bunch of moderate Republicans who would go with them all the time. We know what these Republicans are like. Yeah. You know, if you get brought a moderate bill that moved moved elections a little bit to the left, and they probably all these they probably get 20 Republicans on board with it. Instead, they're just bringing this insane AOC nonsense in front of the Senate and they're laughing at Mansion and Cinema among others are laughing it off and saying go, go away. Yeah. So, he's not getting the benefit with the base, they don't believe it. He's not getting a benefit with moderates, they don't believe him, and he is setting himself up for a catastrophic November, which would be good for us, but really bad for him. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I'm going to give you, let let me give you last word on this. We've got like 30 seconds. Yeah, I think that Joe Biden's failure has radicalized him in a way, because now, just as Stu said, his only chance of not getting completely destroyed Mm -hmm. by a red wave is hoping that his base shows up to vote. It's not working, just like everything else Joe Biden has tried, but that's all he's got left. There's no reason for moderates to back him. There's no reason for conservatives to back Mm -hmm. him. There's no reason for the establishment. I mean, the establishment's the only one who even likes him a little bit. 
This thing is going so spectacularly poorly for Joe Biden. It is unbelievable. And there's just no way for him to get out of this hole. No matter how hard he he tries to scramble his way out of it, he can't. There's nothing he can do. Which I would, you know, you you bring up a great point about, you know, the conservatives, moderates, all of that. And I I know we have to go. But I would also say at some points he's also alienating the the radical sector, right? Like he said no on uh, uh, deferring the uh, student loans. Like he's not meeting with Black Lives Matter anymore. He said he talked a lot a good game and now he's he's like nah you guys are fine like he's managed to alienate literally <laughs> any subset of people in this country it's actually truly incredible uh, great job joe biden uh, all right we got to take a break we'll be back i should say let's go brandon ah there you go let's go brandon there great job good job good All right, Justin, we have about uh, a minute here, and I want to uh, I want to get back to your book. Your book. That's My some, book. Some right. guy, yeah. got other it. guy, like, hijacked yep. and, and put his name on it. And it's, look, his name is way bigger than yours, which is very rude. <laughs> uh, but it is. It I've been is, there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. The Great Reset. Uh, you can find it at <clears throat> Glenn Beck's book. Dot com. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about it, Justin. Right. So uh, the Great Reset, I think, is the most important issue facing the country today. Almost everything that you see in the news has some tie to what's going on with the Great Reset. Uh, the Great Reset is essentially a global movement by elites in corporations, in banks, in financial institutions, groups like BlackRock, in um, central banks, to control virtually every aspect of your life. And they think that COVID was their, quote, golden opportunity to make this happen, mm-hmm. and that they have a, a long-term justification in climate change and environmentalism to continue this forward. And they are making lots of headway in this, so we're trying to stop it, and that's what The Great Reset Book is all about. You gotta go check it out, guys. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.